What's up, friends? I'm your host, Amanda Smith, and welcome to the Girl Gang Podcast, the show where I chat with inspiring women about business, life's challenges, and building community, because we all need it. If you need a girl gang, this podcast is for you. Camilla or Cami Strashnoy, how are you? Welcome to the Girl Gang Podcast. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. How I'm exciting. So excited. Yeah, it- how exciting. Um, what time zone? Where are you right now? Eastern time, Eastern, Miami, Eastern. Florida. That's right, Miami. Miami, yeah. baby. Miami um, girl. Gotta blast the AC. I know it's hot there. It's hot here in Texas. It is rough. It rained one time in the last like three weeks, and oh, <laughs> oh and here it's been again. raining nonstop. Like oh, we I had bet. the the hurricane that fortunately decided mm-hmm. to not go not, over here, mm-hmm. <laughs> but but yeah. it's been raining nonstop down here. It's so crazy. We were just talking about um, your background and where you come from. And so I think that's a great place to start. Just tell us a little bit. Cause you have, obviously people can hear this like awesome accent. And, yeah. um, they're probably wondering where did this name Strashnoy come from? Like, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're living in Miami. So tell us a little bit about your background and what you do. Of course. So I am from Argentina, Buenos Aires, born mm-hmm. and raised. So that's where my accent comes from, Latina. <laughs> um, I come, we were just talking about that. I come from this yeah. European background. It's very common in Argentina. So in my blood, I have my grandparents, of course, Spanish, Italian, Polish, and Russian. Uh, because we in Argentina got all the immigration from like the world wars. And so we have a very rich and mixed culture mm-hmm. down there, which... I love, I call myself, as I was just telling you, international brown, you know, I'm like from everywhere, but Latina. And I moved to London when I finished high school to start pursuing my career in fashion and textile design. So that's where I started. Um, And that's what I started doing until I realized that I love fashion and I was very grateful. I was able to study and pursue that dream I had, but I really, really enjoyed researching, writing, knowing kind of the behind the scenes of the industry that when I started, I didn't know that it was even a career to pursue. I was like, I like mm-hmm. fashion. So you're a fashion designer. I didn't know <laughs> there was anything else out sure. there. Yeah. And, and it was back in the day where, you know, social media, like we were not able to explore so much people's careers on Instagram. Mm-hmm. It was, everything was much more hidden. So long story short, um, I decided to start writing with no training. So I started first collaborating for free with different publications until I started creating a name for myself. And I started to work for different magazines such as InStyle, Le Officiel, Harper's Bazaar, Vogue, uh, Elle. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know, I just managed to put all those titles under my umbrella um, while I pursue, I got an MFA after that. I moved to Miami because of a job offer in editorial six years ago now. And I did my MFA in visual arts. And I also did a master's certification in trend forecasting. 
So, so I was working kind of both sides of the game. I was working in editorial and publishing while I was starting my career in trend mm -hmm. forecasting. Um, and I started working for as an innovator spotter for companies such as trend watching in a freelance basis or, you know, a remote basis while I was traveling the world with editorials for, you know, covering fashion weeks and going to events. And because of this mixed set of skills I acquired, mm -hmm. uh, people started reaching out to me like, Kami, would you consult for my brand? And I was like, yeah, sure. sure. Like, <laughs> I mean, you want my opinion? Like, what does that mean? Consulting? Like, I never thought sure. that never came to my mind. Oh, I want to consult. Sure. It was more the other way around. Clients started showing up to my doorway. I'm very fortunate, very grateful. I, I don't know. I just feel sometimes that this is my spiritual side. I feel like spirit put that in my way. And I was just yeah. open to the opportunities, you know, yeah. Yeah. I always say opportunities are all around us. Sometimes mm -hmm. we're just to focus on other things and we don't mm -hmm. realize. Mm -hmm. And so I started working as a consultant. I had my editorial part. I had my um, research and trend side of things. And I managed to combine them all in what I do today. So now I have my consulting firm and we work with big brands like L'Oreal or Bottega Veneta and small sustainable brands in Latin America, which I love. And they're like, you know, smaller designers with lots of dreams and passion. Um, I teach. I teach at Instituto Marangoni, Miami. at the master's there. Uh, um, I usually teach future of fashion, you know, creativity and design. And um, I also teach workshops. I go to Barcelona, teach like summer school there. Teaching is one of my favorite things, like speaking and teaching and helping mm -hmm. people get inspired and think outside the box and come up with their new ideas out of well, like things I showed them or, sure. you know, expose them to. And I'm also working on, on my trend forecasting side of things and mm -hmm. writing. So I, I, I still write for magazines as a contributor mm -hmm. now. So I just, just write, you know, two articles, three articles a month. That's all. That's awesome. <laughs> so I think what you did was so, so unique and really, I mean, like you were saying, you never considered consulting, but it takes time to kind of get to that point, right? You did so much um, researching, learning, and just absorbing yourself and working. And then, you know, you blink and three or four years later, like you're the expert. People are coming to you because you're the expert. And that's a lot of what um, we love to talk about is how can you stand out in an industry. And I think you've done that, you know, like you said, you, you go into fashion. Oh, I guess I'm going to be a designer. What else is there? Well, there's a lot, right. There's a lot in every, every different, um, industry, you know, and, and with that comes the, the brand that you're building, right. And the story that you're telling. And I think that's what we want to get into today. So, um, let's talk a little bit about like the importance of storytelling and, how oftentimes having something flashy or a great product or this cool thing or this, you know, cool podcast that's named something really funny is not enough, right? It's there not. has to be a story and there has to be heart behind it and substance. Um, so let's start, what are your thoughts on that? So you said something when you were talking that really addresses uh, why storytelling is very important. And you said you managed to stand out. Mm. So that's what mm -hmm. storytelling helped us do. 
because the market is saturated for everything, for consultants, for designers, for podcasts, for everything. What makes you unique is your point of view mm -hmm. and how you share that point of view and your DNA and who you are as a brand, as a company, as a podcaster is by showing the world your DNA through storytelling, through creating narratives that are not just entertaining and appealing to your audience, but that are also real and true. And the evolution of storytelling, there was a time where, in which, you know, we were able to tell consumers whatever, and they didn't have their resources, they didn't know better, so they would believe ever, anything was spoon fed them. Mm -hmm. Now, fast forward to 2020, people mm -hmm. want real narratives, want things that feel real, that connect mm -hmm. with them. Mm -hmm. And I own this t-shirt that I always joke with, that it says, you're not an avocado, so you, like, not everyone has to like you, you're not an avocado. <laughs> and, and that for me is so true to brand DNA. You know, you have to find who you are find your values as mm -hmm. a person, as a brand, as a company, and follow the tracks of that train that you created for yourself. You create mm -hmm. these tracks that you follow and you stay on top of these tracks. And that's your storytelling, is the dream you create around those tracks. But now more than ever, and also as a result of confinement and as a result of COVID-19, people are looking to stories that are more relatable, that are more raw, that feel more real, that are authentic. Mm -hmm. People are craving for transparency, mm -hmm. for empathy, you know? Don't yeah. show me that you look amazing in, like, talking about fashion, right? Don't show mm -hmm. me you look amazing in your morning pajamas with your smoothie. Like, we want realness. <laughs> we are all in this together. Also, show yeah. me that you have a hard day or also show me right. that you're going through whatever. And if you're a brand, if you're an influencer, if you're setting up a business of whatever nature, for me, transparency is one of the core values consumers want right now in any storytelling. And it's the way to entertain. People now want to escape reality, want to be entertained, want to be, you know, and also yeah. understood and also feel they're connected mm -hmm. to that yeah. brand. And you do that all through the stories you tell. Because humans are creatures that, like to find meaning behind anything and everything. So we want to find meaning. We want to find meaning behind the brands, behind the podcast. So we need the brands to help us find that meaning for, for ourselves. Like we are not going to go and create it for you. You show me your meaning and I'll be, okay, I relate to this. Because now consumers will want to buy or audiences will want to connect to brands, products, media that are aligned to their values. Yeah, absolutely. Man, you are a teacher. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know if you know this. My background is in education. So I have a bachelor's of music education. So I've been, I was a teacher for six years. Oh, that's um, amazing. In so, what, at school, to yeah, kids? Yeah. Um, my first year was uh, middle school to high school kids. And then yeah. my last five years have been elementary. So kindergarten through sixth grade. Oh my God. Um, so really foundational. That's so much fun though. So and, crazy. Yeah. And age where we're, I was reading a lot about how uh, humans behave at that age and mm -hmm. how free they are and all yes. the concepts which we start building. So I yeah. feel creativity at that age flows so much more. Oh yeah. And they'll just say what they are thinking. They say what they want and 
it's, it's really special because not everybody like lives a life with young kids around them. Right. And so, but I think everybody needs to do something with kids because it just, a, it lightens your load because kids are fun and you know, they're hilarious, <laughs> but, um, it just gives you that, that like innocent perspective anyway. Yeah. It's fantastic. Um, but so I love, I just love how you're, and I was, I was writing this down while you were talking. I feel like now more than ever, we tell our story and I love how you're just saying brand DNA, brand DNA, because if you don't have a hold on what your brand DNA is, your unique thumbprint is, you can't stand out. You are going to run out of gas. You are going to get burnt out. You aren't going to find, you know, enough clients or more clients or, you know, attain those different goals. But I was just thinking, you know, now more than ever, I feel like we all have experience to speak from, regardless of how old we are, where we come from, what we've done, our education background. But I feel like everyone can teach, you know, and and everybody, even if, you know, let's say we take like a 22 year old who's been a photographer for like a couple of years, even that person who has maybe less experience is super young, they can teach something. And that's super valuable, right? Yeah. And um, education has evolved so much. Like mm-hmm. both coming from education is like this year showed us that teaching through Zoom and all these platforms in a way mm-hmm. is possible. And right. people that are not able to, you know, get a full education right now because their campus are, is closed or they don't want to pay for a university degree without the university experience, meaning right. campus, meaning informal mentorship, peer-to-peer mm-hmm. connections. Like mm-hmm. you miss all that right now with COVID and not being yeah. able to go to, you know, a physical school and all that, that experience entitled beyond the classroom hours. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was thinking that people now are dissecting their education. Mm-hmm. So they're picking and choosing where they learn and what skills and what skill sets from who they want to learn. Mm-hmm. And I feel this opens the conversation for a new era of, I'm not saying traditional education will go anywhere, but I'm just saying sure. we'll just add on to different options and different ways of oh, acquiring knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you that everyone, and I, I believe this to my core, everyone has something to teach and share. And I mean, and you as a teacher will relate to my experience in the classroom. Like Mm -hmm. we learn from our students so much, even I guess if, even if they're five years old, like you learn from everyone if you're open to that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's crazy. There is a platform. I've never used it myself, but I've heard so much about it called Skillshare. I don't know if you know. Oh yeah. I'm familiar, but I've never tried it. So I think that's what it just started thinking about that when you were saying people are kind of picking and choosing and expanding their horizons. There are things like that out there now that were didn't exist, you know, several years ago that you couldn't just go on to a website like Skillshare and take a class on, I don't know, computer coding. And all of a sudden after three hours of classes, you have X amount of knowledge and you can become an expert in other fields that like, you never thought or never went to school for, you know, um, traditionally, but I think that's so, so interesting. And I think it's a huge part of how you have shifted during 
COVID and, you know, you started this learning series that you like to call it on your Instagram platform. Um, tell us a little bit about that and how, you know, that has, you know, as you've been able to tap more into your audience as you possibly have been separated from maybe your students. Yeah. So it it was a very interesting process. It all started actually the first IGTV I did for my series Geek Snacks started right after a webinar. I was, uh, you know, I started this series for the Latin American Fashion Summit. It's a platform for Latin American fashion that has everyone involved, people internationally, um, going there to talk, people from Prada, people like Carolina Herrera. Um, and they started the webinar series just at the beginning of COVID-19. So they asked me if I could start the series for them and be the one that, you know, would teach that first webinar. Mm-hmm. I was very honored. And I, I worked with this platform before, but I was just very honored that, you know, I was the first person to be there with them. And it sold out twice. So mm-hmm. they open 100 spaces. They run out of space. They open another 100 spaces. They run out of space. I focused on the idea of finding your purpose in a new normal and how to pivot and shift your brand, your company. This was particularly for fashion brands mm-hmm. for a new reality. And it was so successful that I decided because successful, why? Because people were very inspired and people came out of that webinar with new ideas. And that's always my purpose mm-hmm. to create this environment of mystery and magic for students or, you know, the audience will, think beyond their limits. I will expand their horizons. So as a result of that, I was like, okay, maybe I could use this content for an IGTV. I never created an IGTV of content like that before. I just reposted things that I did on TV or elsewhere, but it was my first time doing an actual video for Instagram at the beginning of COVID-19. And I called it Geek Snaps because, of course, I was not going to talk for two hours on IGTV. <laughs> so, okay, let's just get the key points and make it 10 minutes max. Uh-huh. And it, it got so much attention that uh-huh. I decided to create a whole series of six episodes uh-huh. tackling topics that I thought were relevant for my community of entrepreneurs on my Instagram for this moment. And again, people started calling me from all scopes of life. I have, you know, people that own very successful restaurants here in Miami, people that own different sorts of businesses. Yeah, so expanding beyond fashion now. Yes. And they were calling them and they're like, coming, your Geek Snacks helped me so much for my communication strategy, X, Y, Z. So, and we were taking down notes. So I'm like, okay, maybe this is beyond just an IGTV. Maybe this is a learning experience for mm-hmm. people. So I, I, you know, used the, the content. I placed it in this platform called Teachable. I created Love a workbook. Teachable. Yeah, I created a workbook with exercises and I decided to offer this knowledge or these thoughts for free to my community. The reason I call it learning series and not a course is because for me, a course has you know, academic rigor that this series did not have. It was something more spontaneous. Um, I will break the news here in your podcast that my first trend forecasting course on Teachable is coming out soon. Trend forecasting. So yeah. excited. People ask for that forever. And I'm like, okay, now with COVID, I have the time to yeah. sit and, you know, write it down. Yeah. So the first. And that's course. specific to like fashion. 
No, no. it's trend forecasting period for any industries, mm. understanding consumer behavior and how the future m might look like and just giving tools for people to add to their toolbox, you know, it's just expanding okay. skill sets, but not just fashion, it's for entrepreneurs, for people working in marketing, communications, anyone. I love it. Okay. That's <laughs> super exciting. Cause that's also what we're going to talk about next is consumer trends and new expectations as a result of COVID-19, you know, for, I know for us, for Dallas girl gang, we are and or were, well, we still are an event based or centric business. We, I started an online community, but my whole purpose was we have to get connected in person. There's nothing like getting connected with somebody in person. You just can't replace it. Um, and so we are huge into events, experiences, things like that. And so when COVID hit, we had to cancel four events. We refunded thousands of dollars and, you know, it was really difficult. And so, you know, we restructured, we had some really good pivots made. I made some good changes in the business. Um, but now it's like, well, I don't think we're ever really going to go quote unquote back to normal. I don't think we're going to, you know, some things will still happen, but they might be later, you know, like larger events and things like that. Um, but that is such a, an amazing thing to think about is consumer trends are massively shifting now. And tell us a little bit about your, um, you know, your background on consumer trends and trend forecasting and just kind of educate us a little bit. So my background is, as I was telling you, I got this master's in trend forecasting. I was educated by trend watching a lot. I, I was fortunate enough that as part of their innovator spotting team, I got all their training. And for me, it's one of the leading trend forecasting agencies, which I prefer. And I spent a lot of my time trying to make sense of the future, you know, um, pandemic futurists have uh, tended to see this crisis in two ways, right? Either as a hiccup on the way back to normalcy or a change to accelerate the world we actually want to occupy, right? Um, I was listening to Malcolm Gladwell uh, just now and, and he was saying something that really, really interested me. And he was saying, think about world wars that lasted for years, four years. And those events might actually shift it society fundamentally. But he was saying that six months are, are not enough to change us in a fundamental way. And I think that was a very strong thought. And I was just listening to that before I jumped on this call with you. So I, I still have it there up in my head, but I was thinking, think about a college experience that transforms you. And it's also because of the time of your life you're at. That, those are four years. Let's say until they get a vaccine and, and everything is going to be just to, you know, give myself some extra time, two years, not even, I know like, mm -hmm. but all reports I was reading say are saying that at least in like April, 2022, we're going to be in the clear, uh, you know, like, so of course COVID will be here. It's something that's, 
the world, but there's going to be a vaccine and, you know, different methods to treat the disease. And again, I'm not a doctor, but it's all the reports I've been reading. Um, so I feel that COVID-19 was an accelerator for many consumer trends that were already there. Let's think about contactless payment or you know, the like penetration of digital everything or yes, this is an accelerator for all these trends. But we are humans that have the same old human needs as the guys that were walking in caves and, you know. (laughs) Uh, So that being said, the need for and addressing your your concern about events, for example, right? We are humans of connection. We are creatures that desire connection. We are creatures that want to connect with one another. And I believe that yes, some things will change, but I do believe that when it's possible and we're able to go back to an event and feel safe, we're going to go back to that. People need it. Look at. You know, I, I see other states, I go out sometimes like driving to do my groceries. If people can, they gather together, even within this situation. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they should. I'm saying social distancing is something we should all be practicing, especially here in Florida, right? Mm-hmm. But so, I mean, and even like the most futurist and, and agile uh, change-oriented companies mm-hmm. think about, you know, the future in a way that they could still perpetuate their business. You know, they want to continue to exist. Their vision of the future usually includes the perpetuation of their own firm or their own company. So think about big players in every industry. They're going to try to perpetuate the status quo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a moment that, of course, is extremely difficult and, and for humanity and for the planet But what really happened with COVID for me is that it pulled back the curtains on the hardships and challenges that were, they were already there, especially industries like fashion. People were talking about overconsumption, overproduction, Mm. the issues with sustainability in the fashion industry. All that was there. We just started having the conversation now. So now we can either choose to draw a new veil over those things or keep them out in the open and attempt to make things better. But I mean, the, we, we keep talking about the pandemic future and the post pandemic future and it's all that's happening right now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you yeah, know, but m- mostly all the trend agencies base their predictions and their forecasts in optimism because ultimately they need to be able to sell those forecasts. Yeah. And as yeah. humans, we're optimistic by nature. Mm-hmm. in a way yeah. you know most of us are <laughs> most of us well like as general a, human nature as a, you're not going to go pay an agency to tell you that the world after this will be a disaster you want yes, to absolutely. buy a report that you want to hear okay what's my good news <laughs> yes yes but if you even think about it the scientists had identified the threat of a pandemic years ago mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but companies did might not want to address this because it was not in the best interest of many institutions. <laughs> <laughs> I wish everybody could see your face when you said that. Um. <laughs>
this week, I want to share with you guys about the Boss Vision Conference. If you've been to any Dallas Girl Gang event or if you came to the conference last year, you know that we go all out. Of course, with 2020 being the way that it is and just, you know, really messing with our plans, we have taken the conference 100% virtual. So what this means for you is A, it's more affordable. B, you get to experience way more speakers. And C, you have all of it recorded to view whenever you want. So tickets start at $59 for general admission or just regular tickets. And then we have a 99 VIP offer That's going to come with so many more bonuses from our speakers, downloadable things, um, just a whole candy bag of amazing extras and bonuses. Um, This is going to be so incredible. I would venture to say that it's going to be more amazing than I had thought at the beginning of 2020 when we started planning. We have incredible speakers like Shannon Lutz from the Social Bungalow. Brittany Janine, she is a branding genius. We have Jenna Boyd, who is a Netflix star. And if you guys remember the sisterhood of the traveling pants, yep, she was the little blonde girl in that movie, Blast from the Past. I know millennials are like, what is happening? She's going to come speak to us. Um, She's a business owner as well as an actress. We have so many other amazing speakers pouring into you guys and giving their time, um, to help you learn and help you grow $59 and 20 plus speakers. Seriously. What an amazing deal. I know we all need a break as far as what we're spending to build our business and what we're investing about back into our business. That's why we made this so much more affordable this year as we went virtual. So bossvisioncon.com and grab your ticket. about the, you know, those things that are now coming to light, like sustainability and fashion. Um, I know fast fashion was, you know, is, is still a huge thing and, and brands that are now more conscious, more, you know, this might not have anything to do with it, but size inclusive, um, just more aware all around, you know, what are your, your thoughts on that? I, I think too, in the last several months, from my perspective, I have seen not only brands become more conscious of, of waste and things like that, but for whatever reason, becoming more size inclusive. And it's probably, I'm answering my own question, but because we've had time to sit on this, let it open up and air out. And people are, are demanding 
for, to make things better. And there's nothing else to do right now. So it's like, well, let's make this better. What are your thoughts? So I feel there's two different conversations in in that question, which are very important to address. Uh, Sustainability, in my opinion. So I was talking about a trend that I called creative waste. And it was how companies within, so sustainability being a macro trend, um, I call the micro trend of creative waste, which means one of the large biggest problems the fashion industry has, among many others, is overstock because they're producing all these six collections a year that they're, you know, selling and trying to sell and consumers are not buying at the rate they're producing. So there's always overstock after every season. We witnessed how brands, um, I won't name brands, so I won't get in trouble, sure. but were, yeah. you know, burning, <laughs> burning overstock and got in a lot of trouble in Europe. And these practices were banned in Paris, in France. So the, one of the problems right now is that brands are already having overstock, uh, three times more of overstock than what they usually have at this certain time of the year because yeah. of COVID-19 and the mm-hmm. contraction of the market. So one of the trends I was talking about was creative waste. How can, you, I can, how can I repurpose your waste? And how can I use your leftover fabrics or leftover garments to go and create something new? And I heard an example, I think it was yesterday or this morning, that I thought maybe this could also fit in my creative waste because Levi's partner up with Uber. So a lot of consumers are not riding Ubers because of health concerns or sure. because they're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So Uber has quote unquote waste of those drivers, those cars, that time of these people that are offering their service, Access. but nobody, right. yeah, but nobody is actually okay. using. Mm-hmm. So Uber, uh, Levi's decided to partner up with, with Uber to do same day delivery for the purchases. So the Uber delivers your denim. So, How cool is that? I did not even know that. Yeah, so I was like, this is, all, this is also an example of creative waste. And it's, you're repurposing someone else's leftover time or leftover, you know, yeah. free time. Or, so I think there's a lot of within sustainability and repurposing other people's waste and thinking about overstock and thinking about how can you also collaborate. And I think the way forward within sustainability is open sourcing solutions and collaboration. Mm-hmm. What a great example that is. And also, the other problem I see with sustainability is, A, the average consumer has no idea what fashion sustainability means. B, it's more expensive. So access. Mm -hmm. Not everyone can access, you know, sustainable Making it accessible is a huge thing. I would would pose the same question. So I, I was always saying, you know, one of the most sustainable practices right now is just wear what you have and stop buying so much. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the fashion industry has to slow down and was forced to slow down. But yeah. again, there is a lot of big interests behind it and big, big companies that don't want these to slow down because they need to make up for all the contraction of the market right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, fashion is one of the most polluting industries. It pollutes water, air, mm so on and so forth so so yes that's a big conversation happening right now and even talking about creative waste you know people having to design collections six collections a year being burned Mm -hmm. out um so there's a whole conversation it's a very hard topic to tackle and i always say that talking about sustainability in fashion is an oxymoron because yeah you know just buying stuff is not sustainable you could you know we all need to wear 
clothes? Yes. Do we need all we own? Probably not. Probably Most not. Of us, yeah, don't need Especially it. during quarantine. I know the exact same yoga pants and biker shorts that I've been wearing and the same like two sweatshirts and handful of t-shirts. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's and I, now we all wear these Zoom shirts that, you know, we look <laughs> good from the waist up and that's all we care. And then we're wearing our sweatpants. Uh-huh. Uh, so I won't stand up. So I know you're looking at me. I won't stand up. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, we realize as consumers also that we need so much less. Yeah. And we, we don't need so much. And mm-hmm. it's going to be, you know, a pause and, and people are thinking about this. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, as humans, we tend to forget fast, especially if it was six yeah. months to a year. And if we can go back to normal, we will try to go and perpetuate our status quo. The other thing you addressed was diversity and inclusion. Yeah. And I've seen that, you know, in communication strategies, uh, not so much on offering. And there's been cases mm. where communications and, you know, Instagram feeds and advertising showed body inclusive, size inclusive, etc., color inclusive, but they would not offer that. And there's a lot of backlashes happening. So interesting. Uh, yeah. So first of all, alert here, walk your talk. If you're going to say you do something, <laughs> if you're going to offer something, please have it on the floor or on your website. Yes. Uh, that being said, I feel that's a push from consumers because now there's a more mm-hmm. open conversation. Consumers want to feel represented in every Absolutely. brand, want to have that opportunity and they're being loud. You know, Gen Z millennials are loud about what mm-hmm. they don't like and what they like. Mm-hmm. They grew in this era of democratization of fashion where we can all vote with not only our purchase, but our post, our comment, our like. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's, you know, the one example, I am going to name a, a brand, but I've talked about it before publicly. Um, also, nothing's going to happen, but um, <laughs> H&M has been a brand that for a long time, I thought I loved and had built loyalty with them, you know, had shopped there since I was like, you know, late high school years. And as I got older and needed like adult clothes and, you know, was looking for more like business professional or, you know, for my teacher wardrobe, you know, everybody, everybody's bodies are so different. And it just became abundantly clear to me that they were a very cookie cutter brand as far as sizing. And then I, you know, go to honestly like jeans at target fit me better than if I, the same size at, you know, uh, H and M. And it just, it was the first moment that I realized you know, cause I, I went into the store and every single pair of pants or skirt or any, or bottoms really, because that's, that's like my struggle to find the right size for things because I have a butt and I have hips and girl, I'm Latina. I hear you. Right. So like, <laughs> we got to fit some curves into the bottom half of me. And it's like, up until the last couple of years, I would have to look at like specialty brands that were 
higher in price just to access like the type of style or cut that I needed in jeans. Right. Or I was just buying like, you know, regular skinny jeans or whatever, like I said, from target, which is crazy. Like why does target fit me better than a brand that is supposed to be, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I just remember there was this one time when in H and M, this was probably like, I don't know, end of last year, end of 2019 went in, could not find a single pair of pants or skirt or whatever above like a size six or eight. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Like the average woman is probably like an eight or like maybe no. a, or, or maybe no, no, no. What's the the average? average, you tell me you're the special, you're the expert. So the average woman is between in the U S at least is between a 14 and a 16. Yeah. Okay. So right there, you so know you're, the you have, you have eight sizes more to go up to find exactly. like you something the that the average American can wear. Yeah, exactly. And so I think that's why, you know, I don't know. It was just super frustrating. And so I was no, like, because you feel the brand that you love left you out. Yeah. Left you hanging, you know, and, and, and you're like, why? Like size yeah. eight, that's still small. That's a medium. That's like, yeah, it's, that's a medium. medium yeah. Outside or, eight is a medium. A, yeah. And so, um, that was super frustrating. And that's just when I kind of realized like, and I don't, I don't often get up in arms about like stuff like this, but I'm like, I'm not shopping here anymore. Like this is absolutely the worst. And, and you're right because they make, make you feel like you're not, you know, part of their community anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're cut out. And and the, the conversation about, you know, inclusivity in sizing, it's, you know, everyone wants to feel represented by the mm-hmm. runs they love and why you mm-hmm. need to go shop elsewhere. But also right. I was talking to this brand um, owner. So she's from, well, I don't know if she's from New York. I think she lives in New York. There's this brand of um, swimwear that's called Chrome. And okay. it's very, very famous for her body inclusivity runway shows and swimwear and all that. And I met her at least um, the American Fashion Council was showing American designers at Paris Fashion Week at a showroom. And I was there, you know, with the magazine. So I was invited and it was just a showroom. So I was having a conversation with this designer and she was telling me, Cami, you know what? For me, it's very hard because even if I have an audience in my direct-to-consumer business for these sizes, when I go and offer them to wholesalers, yeah, uh, you know, retailers, they, they won't buy anything over a large, you know, and I have up to like 4XL because she has like a XS to XXXXL, whatever size. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and she's like, people won't buy it. And that's a whole part of the problem I have because I design that's them the and I create them, but then they don't buy them from me. That's yeah. Well, the, the good thing about this, even though this can probably be frustrating for a lot of people is, is what we're saying is this season of life has opened up the conversation. Yeah. And even like skin color. Yeah, absolutely. Think about that. Think about the color, like, yeah, nude, like these, when you go buy underwear and there's like one nude color, are we all supposed to be like pale pink? I, I mean, I'm Latina. My skin is not pale pink, you know? Yeah. Like we exactly. all have different colors of skin and, right. and there's not skin color that represents us all because we're, thank mm-hmm. God, all different. 
Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it shouldn't all just look like my skin because I've never been tan in my entire life. I've always <laughs> been <laughs> so, so, so pale. And that comes from my dad being a redhead and having Irish jeans, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Well, this is so incredible. I love everything that we talked about. I think people can really learn from you. Um, and so before we kind of close out what you're going to see guys in the show notes today is Cammy's link to her teachable course or online, um, learning series geek snacks, which is so wonderful. So it's a six part, correct? Six yes. um, learning series. It is 100% free. So go grab that in the, um, episode description. Um, but where else can we find you online? What do you have going on? All the things. So I have, um, my Instagram where, where there I'm sharing content all the time. Even when I write articles, I try to share them there. Mm-hmm. I have my website, which is camilastrashnoy.com. I believe that will be in the show notes as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, there I try to, you know, keep you guys updated with like articles I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a newsletter as well that you can subscribe on there in which I share my thoughts maybe twice a month or once a month. Like Mm -hmm. I try to keep it, you know, no spam, just the necessary. Uh, You have that online course of teachable that you were mentioning. There is one coming up on trend forecasting, uh, which will be six parts. The first one being released soon. Um, And that's all I think. Awesome. That's a lot of me. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Well, this has been like so eye opening and what a productive conversation. Um, thank you so much for sharing and taking your time and, um, stay cool in Miami. I know it's hot, but also it's raining a bunch. So enjoy the rain. We could use some over here in Texas, but, um, we appreciate you so much. No, I really appreciate you, your community. Um, I know you have this wonderful community, so I really, really hope this and the learning series is useful for everyone. And I know we're going through hard times, but mm-hmm. take this as an opportunity to think outside the box and, and let this challenging year open new doors for everyone yeah, and new and things that we thought we might not explore. Yeah, for sure. Well, thank Cammie, you so much. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And thank you guys for listening to this episode. We'll catch you next time.